my blues and gone to my tears. I've got good news to shout in your ears. The long lost dollar has come back to the fold. With silver you can turn your dreams to gold. Oh, we're in the money. We're in the money. We've got a lot of what it takes to get along. We're in the money. The sky is sunny. Oh, man, depression, you are through. You done us wrong. Oh, we never see headline about redline today. And when we see the landlord, we can look that guy right in the eye. Oh, we're in the money. Come on, my honey. Welcome to part one of Salon Divine, a Sassmouth Dames production. Our story takes place on the 1st of September, 1933, at 6 o'clock p.m. The Salon Divine is located at the corner of Broadway and West 45th Street. Our characters are Mae Divine, a salon owner, former Ziegfeld girl, she made her name on seven shades of blonde hair preparations. She has an epic league of ex-lovers and hangers-on. May is played by Clara Higgins. Polly Trainer was rescued from the dance marathon circuit by May four years ago. She specializes in the Marcel wave. She dreams of working as a commercial artist for photo play or Liberty magazines. Polly is played by Jennifer O'Mara. Cora Smith still lives with her family in a 10th Avenue tenement. She's a whiz at formulas for face creams and lotions. She dreams of becoming the next Elizabeth Arden. She is played by Jean Sutton. Ruby Dawn is a star of Minsky's, the burlesque review in the Republic Theater. She's a former, former child star in vaudeville. She would do anything for a Hollywood contract. She is played by Olympia Kiriakue. June Winter is a burlesque dancer with Minsky's, also on The Republic. She's currently in a rafter romance with fellow boarder. She dreams of wedding bells. June is played by M. Sean. Mimi Stone is a Broadway quarine. She was also a child star in vaudeville. She lives with her mother and dreams of becoming a dramatic actress. She's played by Megan McGurk. Anything good in the paper, May? Six people were blinded in that one of those smoke joints that serves wood alcohol in the Bowery. Listen to this one from Los Angeles. On the evening of August 16, the police were called to a scene of a shooting at the intersection of 3rd Street and Lafayette Park Place. The shooting victims were Charles Allen and Cora Withington. Allen gave the following statement to the reporter. I took Cora out to the pictures to see Tugboat Annie. I let her practice her driving on the way home. She drove carefully. When we stopped at a red light and waited for the signal, a car pulled up next to us. A man jumped out. He pointed a gun at me and yelled at Cora, Shell out, sister. I gave him the $18 I had plus my watch. Cora held out her purse. I felt a sting on my neck. I turned my head and saw Cora slumped over the wheel of the car. It took me a minute to realize he fired a pistol. Then he jumped in a car. I saw the driver. She was a young girl, platinum blonde, wearing a brown turban. The girl laughed, hit the gas, and they sped away. The paper says the victim is a schoolteacher. She lost the eye, but she'll live. Reporters are calling the bandits the rattlesnake and the blonde rattlesnake. The bulls are offering a $50,000 reward. 
Platinum Blonde? Is that a news report or the next script for Jean Harlow? The Blonde Rattlesnake. Now that's one way to sign your Christmas cards. We're in a turban. Probably needs her roots touched up. I'd feel safer alone on Broadway at four in the morning than out in California. All those cars. No one walks anywhere. It's unnatural. People sit in their own little bubble. They don't jostle with strangers on the subway or a bus or on the street. Other people become less real that way. At least you can breathe out there and see the sky instead of brick walls and scaffolds. How would you know? You've never been. Every place is cold water walk-ups. Speaking of the flats, what are you staring at, Miss Double Fifth Avenue? You've had your head over that page for 20 minutes, Cora. Just the most beautiful coat I've ever seen. It's in the Gimbler Circular. Let's see. Ooh, Persian lamb. Is it on sale? I wish. How much? Two fifty. You might find it cheaper on 7th Avenue. I know a guy. But I don't want it from 7th Avenue. I want to try it on in front of the three-way mirror on the shop floor. I want the girls to stop and watch me model it. I want them to wrap it up in a big box with lots of white paper. You pay more money to show off and get a few sheets of white tissue paper. I don't care, May. I want to walk into a nice shop and buy it. I want a warm, beautiful coat. I hear I want a whole lot over there. Your old man will only pawn it while you sleep for Oni Madden's rat poison gin. I would sleep in that coat. He wouldn't have a chance. Well, you can't wear it in the bath. Oh, May, let her alone. A girl can dream about a new coat. The girls get into a lot of trouble over a coat. We booked up, May? Like sardines. You both got girls back to back before curtain tonight. Corey, you better mix up some mud. I'll get their lashes done while their hair sets. I saw Mrs. Penning on her way out. Another rejuvenation treatment? Didn't you see the smile on her face? She doesn't look much rejuvenated to me for all she comes in here. What's in those treatments anyhow, May? Don't you see Clancy sneak out the back after she leaves? Clancy gives her the treatment? In a matter of speaking. (laughs) Dames like Mrs. Pennington can hardly walk into a tea room and pick up a taxi dancer and take him to a hotel like other Jills. Husbands never question a bill from a beauty shop. Isn't she too old? That old gasoline wagon is 60 if she's a day. She's 50. I don't think you ever get too old to want the man's arms around your pet. Then why are you with Dot and not a man? Because, precious, men are for business, women are for pleasure. Here come our girls with an 8.30 curtain. How are you, ladies? I told her I'd rip out the last hair on her head if she takes another pair of my stockings. Some nerve. What are you thinking, June? Take it up a notch, May. I'm sick of this daffodil blonde. You want silver slipper or white lightning? Hit me with the lightning. How's the big romance with the day shift fella, June? Oh, but Scamp, he filled a pair of my stockings with his socks. The creep, why did he do that? Because I stuck his toothbrush under the tap before I left. Why'd you wet his toothbrush? So he'd think I was using it, you know, to get under his skin. I never heard of flirting like you do, June. We pull little pranks on each other, it's fun. Then he knows I'm on another stick in the mud. You've never seen him? What if he's got no neck? His clothes hang in the closet. Size 40 regular. Quality stuff, too. I'd want to know what he looks like. You could give him a real surprise. Be there waiting for him in your birthday suit when he gets home from work. Maybe June is a little tired of taking off her clothes for men. Get a load of Miss 40 button gloves over here. Take off your high hat, Mimi. Strip teases do honest work. No one condemns greedy bankers who put the country in this mess the way they do showgirls. You tell her, May. 
If you're making good salary, why sleep in shifts? Why share a room with a stranger, June? Because I'm saving my dough, and it's real close to the theater, so I save on taxi fare and shoe leather. Cora, make my lashes pop, make them look big like John Crawford's. Nobody will even see them. Their eyes will be further south. Listen to Mrs. Noel Coward. Just because you couldn't give tickets away if you peeled your clothes off. I'll have my name in light someday. Whoever heard of a name like Mimi Stone on a Broadway marquee? Your name is a high stepper or a strip teaser. It ain't got an ounce of class, honey. I can always use my real name, Marion. Marion, huh? Sounds good, kid. My name describes my act. You'd know it if you'd ever seen it. The fellas go crazy when Ruby does her strip tumbling act. That's right. I'm the headliner. When I strip during a handstand and part my legs, the men say it's better than a sunrise. I'd rather die than take off my clothes for men. Men ain't gonna pay five bucks to watch you in some sob sister story like Dr. Monica when they can watch me, June, and a dozen other girls shake our tail feather in a bub for a dollar. Men don't bring their wives and girlfriends to Minsky's. We get them fired up for their wives and girlfriends. Cora, will you put that mud on already? What are you looking at anyway? A coat and gimbals. Look. A beaut. Something about Persian lamb sends me. How much? Two fifty. Two centuries and a half. Whatever you do, don't fall for layaway. I did once and got burned. What happened? I had most of it paid off. Ninety bucks on a hundred dollar dress. Then the show closed and I was broke. You have to put down money every week or you forfeit and the shop keeps the rest. What a racket. Don't buy unless it's cash down. I'd have to save for a year. I know how you get the money in a weekend. Cora already has a job, Ruby. Don't give her any ideas. If she wants something, she can be sensible. I had a roommate once who got a new coat from her boyfriend. Sir, I know the gag. I've done it too. What gag? Well, you're out on a date, and you say, why don't you go for a walk, big boy? And then you take him to the shop, point out the coat, and say, isn't this marvelous? I just love it to death. Then you look at the price tag and say, oh, I could never afford it. It's so dear. And he buys it. Unless he's a ticko, he will. But you have to give him something. What? Well, it depends on the coat. If it's just a little clock number, say 15 to $20, you give him a handy. You have to give him a lot more than that for a fur coat, Lammy Pie. Oh, I see. There was a regular at the stage door a few years back. He pulled the same routine with some of the girls. He carried a fur coat in the trunk of his car. Promised it to you if you went away with him for the weekend. This one's new to me. I know the louse. He's the one that looks like Lee Tracy with an extra 50 pounds. He traded on me once, only I don't get into any stranger's car. It's taxi or no soap. What happened, Ruby? Did you go away with him? Of course not. Do I look like I just fell off a turnip truck? I told him I would. We went out to a few speaks to celebrate. Then right before he wanted to drive away to Atlantic City, I put some knockout drops in his highball. Ruby, you didn't. <laughs> I certainly did. He pulled that bit on a dozen girls and never forked it over. Left him stranded in Atlantic City after getting his jollies all weekend. He'd sneak out early Sunday morning and leave him stuck with the bill. I slipped in the drops, then I steered him weaving all over the sidewalk back to his car. Once I got his keys, I laid him in the back seat, then took the coat. It's the most darling little gray fox bolero. 
I love that jacket. Wasn't he sore? Didn't he try to get the cold back? From who? He was so soused he couldn't pick me out of a shadow box in police headquarters. He wouldn't have known me if I was the Statue of Liberty doing nip-ups. You took an awful risk, Ruby. Fur coats are trouble. May, you've got a closet full of fur coats. I bought most of them for myself. Rest were tributes. Ah, you Zigfield girls had it easy. All those men flush with big wads of Jack throwing you orchids in our mind? Not like today. Right you are. Today they come to the theater with sliced liver and milk bottles. They throw coins at you if you're lucky, and nickels if you ain't. Liver and milk bottles? What for? They open their trousers and use it on their willies while we strip. Gosh, I... Please don't be crude, June. June isn't crude. It's the men, the savages. The sons of Adam are all the same. They're not all bad. Some of them are decent. In fact, I met one the other night. And you kept mum. Where did you meet him, Polly? I was in a speak on 56th with Gordon. I won't ever do that again. He got crazy for the dice and wouldn't stop laying bets. I was bored. So I started doodling at the table on napkins. A man walked by, stopped and made some remarks about my sketch. I had one of Garbo holding a cigarette that he liked. What did he say? He said I had quite the eye for composition, that I created a mood. When I thanked him, he went crazy over my accent. Did he give out to you for being Irish? Not like that. He laughed and said, it's kismet. Ask me for a date. Kismet? Oh, a philosopher. Let me guess, society type? Sure. He asked me if I knew Joyce. Joyce? The one from George White's Scandals? That's what I said. He laughed some more, told me, no, the author. Said he was going to try to publish his, said he was trying to publish his book. He was going to smuggle it in. Smuggle books? Are they filled with whiskey? He's not a bootlegger. He said the book was banned. Oh, it's a dirty book. You mean James Joyce, the Irish writer? Oh, he must have thought you were a dope, Polly. How do you know about James Joyce? I read. Joyce writes the highbrow stuff. I have a copy of his stories. I couldn't get through the book about the artist. What kind of stories? Sad tales. Slice of life stuff. One's about a woman who loses a cake. Another one is about a married dame who cries over the boy who died for having loved her. What's this gentleman's name? Kind of a funny one. I had to ask him to repeat it. Bennett Cerf. Said runs a publishing joint called Random House. Is that a put-on? His name is Cerf and he runs a place called Random? That's how you know he's rich. He picks a clever name rather than something that sounds like an undertaker's outfit. He spelled it C-E-R-F, not S-U-R-F, like the ocean. What was he wearing? A tux. I don't believe it. You have a date with Bennett Surf? Don't you know he runs around with dames like Miriam Hopkins? Really? Geez, I would love to meet Miss Hopkins. He's in Winchell's column, rubs elbows with the Broadway crowd. He's a big shot. What are you going to wear, Polly? Where is he taking you? First, he said he wanted to take me dancing. What did you say, sweetie? I told him I don't dance. Did he ask you why? No, and I didn't volunteer. You don't dance, Polly? Why ever not? Dancing's the best part of the date. Pipe down, June. Polly had enough dancing to last her a lifetime. How can you have too much dancing? Why is that? Polly was in the dance marathon racket. Oh, gee, I'm sorry.
Was it as bad as that? Worse. Ask your new boyfriend if he would introduce me to one of those Broadway producers. Does he know Leland Hayward? Or Hollywood agent. Just my luck I didn't meet him first. I bet he took one look at your lovely Titian hair, Polly, and lost the run of himself. Titian? It means brick top, dummy. What do you plan to wear on your date with Bennett Surf? My white linen suit. For dinner? It's too hot for anything else. Won't this heat never break? Some color or you will be washed out. I have a pretty yellow number cut low in the back. It'll knock his eye out. Want me to drop it off tomorrow? You're a doll, June. We don't have to loan me a dress. That's no big whoop. Listen, you don't know where he's taking you. The yellow silk will look good anyplace. You're a grand girl, June. I think I will. Have you ever dated a society fellow, Polly? Never. All men are the same in the back of a taxi cab. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, Cora, this mud feels like heaven. It's real soothing. What do you put in it? The alkaline properties in the clay make it an astringent. Tightens your pores. Cora here is our little chemist. Young, but she knows her onions. She mixes up my face creams. That one you got on as the Hilatera mud pack. The society crowd go crazy for it. I tell them it'll give them a complexion like Maureen O'Sullivan. She's such a good actress. Did you see her in Skyscraper Souls? A doll. What's the markup? A jar sells for ten dollars. Ten bucks for some dirt. They wouldn't buy it for less. I should get into the beauty racket. How'd you learn, Cora? My brother works for bootleggers. They pay him to figure out the formulas the government uses to denature alcohol. He removes the poisons the G-men put in and distills it again. He started out working on perfume they were selling. I stuck my nose in his books. Downtown boys came in here trying to hook me into that perfume scam. I told the pikers to get lost. What's the angle? Hoodlums figured out how to filter the scent out of a bottle of perfume. Presto, bottle of the hard stuff. They strong-armed their way into drugstores and made them sell it. Oh, the bourbon, scotch, cologne, the usual skullduggery. Forbidden fruit, more like poison apple. That's what you should save your money for, Cora. A proper lab set, get beakers and vials. Forget about the fur coat. My father wouldn't like it. He'd smash it to kingdom come. Last week I had a batch of night cream simmering on the stove. He thought it was stew and dipped some bread in. He got awful mad and he tasted lanolin and rose water. Knocked me out of the chair. Serves him right, the bum. That'll set now, Ruby. I'm going to run to the coffee shop. Anybody want something? Light with two lumps, please. Not for me, thanks. I can't drink coffee and then skip rope and swing a hoop. Is that in your act? Sure, I come out wearing a romper carrying a big lollipop, like baby Snooks, but blue. I'm baby June. You burly Q dames never stand still on stage, do you? (laughs) They get their money's worth. What happened to Polly in the dance contest? May saved her. She was just a kid. Had been living with her family across the river in Hoboken. The poor master there was a devil. He cut off the relief, not that they were getting much. They were living on 30 cents a day to feed five. I know about him. Bark's the name. My cousin lived in Hoboken. Her husband broke his back at a work building site. They were on relief until poor master Bark cut them off. He told my cousin to swing her handbag on the avenue to feed the family. The beast. That's not all. Her baby died, starved to death. Bark had the official death certificate changed, so the toddler died from lead poisoning from eating paint chips. Jesus wept. What happened after Polly left Hoboken? 
She hitched into the city looking for work, saw a handbill for the marathon. Polly signed up. Couldn't pay me to stay out of bed for months. Months? How can they go without sleeping so long? They hook them with food. Polly was half-starved when she joined. The managers put out a big spread every couple hours. Polly told me on the first day, she cried after she ate a bacon sandwich on a buttered roll, followed by a cherry danish, fresh coffee. As the weeks dragged on and the numbers thinned, the food got worse. But by then she was hooked, thinking she could win the big prize. The trick is they sleep in shifts, sort of hanging on around their partners strapped to his belt. Then they switch and she carries him. Did she win? Of course not. Those things are rigged. And the competition is fierce. No mercy. A bunch of rats. One miserable article told Polly that the cure for tired feet was to tape emery boards to a soles to toughen them up. Polly's feet swelled up, bled, and turned septic. The contestants want an edge and they ain't honest. They lace the coffee with sleeping pills, or laxatives. Then they go what's called squirrely from lack of sleep. They go crazy and hallucinate. It's like they're sleepwalking late at night. Ghouls watch for kicks. They take a picnic basket after the speaks close. Texas Guinan still goes and heckles the dancers. What does he say? The 4 a.m. crowd is there for one thing. What's that mean? Men are dancing close to their partners for hundreds of hours. They get aroused and sometimes forget they're on a stage. They revert to their primitive nature. Say it plain. They hump on the dance floor. And they don't need to be squirrely. Couples drape a blanket around them. Referees make sure they're tucked in. Then they go at it at broad daylight under the covers. How disgusting. If you ask me, it's the rubberneckers that are the disgusting ones. And the promoters. They're crooks that run it. As bad as pimps. Same as pimps. After four months circling that ring, they put $10 in Polly's shoe. Then let some shady fellow wrap her up in a blanket. Took her away in his car. She don't talk about it. I found her a week later. The creep had dumped her at the bus terminal. Left for dead. Hair all matted, she was so skinny and dirty, she looked half wild. Hanging is too good for men like that. Sure it's a man's world, we're just living in it. Here's your coffee, May. Thanks, sweetie. Salon Divine, May speaking. Hello, Charlie, what's the news? Oh, I see. Is that a fact? Well, we'll see about that. You know what I have to say? I do not accept her terms. Morty left me the deed fair and square. Thanks, Charlie. Will do. What does the lawyer want, May? May has a mouthpiece? Of course. Imagine how many broads would look for a payday by claiming their hair fell out. Am I right, May? Sure, Ruby. But this ain't a client. It was Mrs. Mortimer Howard, wife of the admirer, who left me the shop. I didn't know you owned the joint, May. I wondered how you could afford the rent in this district. If he lets it to you, she can't say anything. What trouble is she making? A doozy. Mrs. Howard is threatening to contest the will and sue me for being a love thief. She's going to file for damages and get the deed to the shop. He was your bed of roses fella? Didn't he die years ago? Two years ago. Heart attack. Morty was swell. Generous as they come and no violence in his blood. I can see the picture on the front page. Mrs. H in her black lace, carrying a big white hanky, wailing about the former showgirl who siphoned off her husband's estate and all she had to live on. She probably ran through Morty's dough and now she's after what she can get. But he bequeathed it to you. That ain't gonna stop her. 
Don't borrow trouble, May. It might be a bluff. You may be right. The Marcel looks great, Polly. Here's for yourself. What do I owe you, May? My prices don't go up for ladies of the stage. The Park Avenue crowd make up the difference. The New Deal in the beauty salon. Soak the rich. <laughs> You're a peach, May. Have a good weekend, girls. Oh, she forgot her magazine. Let me grab her. Hold on, Ruby. Wait a minute, can you? What's the matter, kid? Earlier you said you knew how I could make money for my coat in a weekend. Did you mean it? Sure, kid. What do I have to do? Come with me to a circus party tonight and tomorrow. Oh, I love the circus. It's a cinch. Here, write down your address and I'll swing by after the last show. Be on your corner at one o'clock. Gee, that's late. That's too bad, kid. No, no, I'll sneak out. I'll be there. Okie dokes, honey. See you later. Thanks a million, Ruby. That's the end of part one of Salon Divine. Thanks for listening. Salon Divine was written and directed by Megan McGurk, starring Clara Higgins, Jennifer O'Mara, Jean Sutton, Olympia Kiriakue, M. Sean, and Megan McGurk. Sound editing and special effects by Dan McCauley. Please join us next time for part two. Will May make the headlines as a love thief? What happens at the circus party? Stay tuned. <laughs>